You're listening to the Renewing Our City podcast, where we equip you to reach your world. And now your host, Matt Shaw. Welcome back to another episode of the Renewing Our City podcast, where we equip you to reach your world. I'm so excited for today's interview with Ben Hardman. Ben is one of those guys who has the phrases, the word pictures, the charts that bring complex ideas, and he really makes them simple and easy to understand. You're going to love this interview. Ben's one of those guys, he's all about living a life that's on mission and helping you, helping other leaders uh, live that life on mission. He has an organization called Missional Think Tank, and you can find that at missionalthinktank.com. But in the past, he's been a church planner. He's a pastor at a mega church in the past, and he has just had so much experience. And now he's coaching and consulting other leaders, as well as a full-time pastor, just serving Jesus faithfully. Ben's one of those guys that connects great leaders with great ideas, and he just has a ton of practical advice on how you can do that day to day. He's going to be talking about his experience planting a church, but really it's more about just everyday people being discipled, whether you're in business or you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a mechanic, you're a school teacher, or you're a pastor, and how you can live and and, and work as being a disciple in your everyday life. He also talks a ton about Christian leadership and just being a Christian leader, whether you're in business or you're in the ministry. I wanted to highlight a couple quotes, and he, he's going to be talking about what it means to be a disciple in this episode. And he talks about how Jesus didn't give them a program, but he gives them access to his life. And that's just so huge. He talks about being an apprentice in ministry and how we need to be tagging people along with us, not just doing ministry alone. One quote he was talking about, he said, I'm not a perfect example, but I'm a living example. I'm not offering me, but Christ in me. I just thought that was so important for me in my everyday life. He also talks about how we need to have, for every Paul needs to have a Timothy, and that method of who's investing in you and who are you investing in. I just think that's pretty awesome as well. He also talks about, I'm in charge of faithfulness. God's in charge of fruitfulness. You'll be able to find more in this episode about what he's talking about. We also talk about his prayer life and what he does to get closer to God. So let's check out this interview with Ben Hardman of Missional Think Tank. All right, well, I'm here with uh, Ben Hardman, and uh, pretty much he's the man. I've got to spend some time with him, but uh, he's all about living missionally and uh, church planning, just serving the Lord and... uh, really just living a life of following Jesus. Just a little uh, quick background, Ben, you can fill in a little bit more on your background, but uh, Ben is working with an organization called Missional Think Tank, and uh, this is an organization he started. We're going to dig into that in the interview, but also he's a pastor uh, of a local church as well, so he's uh, been a church planner. He's worked at churches. He has a lot of experience, so welcome to the show, man, and uh, what's up? Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. It's awesome to be here, man. So can you tell us, uh, tell me, you know, just a little bit about Missional Think Tank. This is something new you're starting, but you've been doing it in the past as well. But what is Missional Think Tank? Yeah, part of what we want to do is uh, is really connect great leaders to great ideas. And so uh, one of the things that I realized in my ministry was I had a deep desire to make disciples. I had a deep desire to live on mission. I just didn't exactly know how to do that. And so as great as the missional conversation has been, uh, 
it's really helped us reimagine the church in really great ways, but it hasn't provided a lot of clarity on how do we do that from day to day. So if you would just take a poll across every church in America, my guess is most churches believe they're making disciples. Most churches believe they're missional. Most churches believe they're gospel-centered, right? They all believe that they're these things, but they're, they're, they're kind of unsure of what those things actually are. Uh, and so what I realized that we needed was we needed some people to come alongside of us and actually walk with us and train us in how do we make disciples? How do we live on mission? How do we take an attractional church that's traditionally been a, you know, come and see what we're doing and transition that to more of a church where we're reaching out to our neighbors, where instead of the professional pastors kind of doing the work of ministry, the entire church views themselves as the ministers and the, the missionaries to their neighborhoods and to their communities and homes. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like uh, right up my alley. And let's why don't you explain just your concept of mission? I know we always have these definitions and, you know, sometimes even cliche terms of, yeah. hey, missional, gospel-centered, all these things. What What's missional to you and how you would define that. Yeah, I, I think missional is 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 understanding that my relationship with God is twofold. It's it's both about my relationship with him, there's a covenantal side of it, and then it's about my responsibility to him, which is the kingdom side of it. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll accept the covenantal side. We want the grace, we want forgiveness, we want Jesus as our savior, but we don't want to accept the responsibility side and accept him as our king. Uh, and so part of that is that we don't fully understand the gospel. So we don't understand the truth of, one, trusting that he's a good father. And if he is a good father, that means I can trust him with everything. That means I can trust him with my time. I can trust him with my resources. I can trust him with my home. I can trust him with my kids. You know, I can believe that when I take risks and when I step out in faith, that he's going to be with me, that he's going to walk with me, he's going to go beside me. Uh, and so, uh, man, you're right, missional, uh, missional discipleship, <laughs> gospel centered, all become these buzzwords that mean everything and mean nothing. Um, but what the, the, I think the true desire of the missional movement is the priesthood of all believers, is that we're moving towards a place where we want every single person in the church to view their lives as a missionary. So if the first Reformation was putting the Bible back in the hands of the everyday Christian, I think the next Reformation is going to be putting mission and discipleship back in the hands of the everyday Christian. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, just let's let's look at practically. I mean, our church, we, we're, we're trying to make disciples. Our elders, you know, are really pushing us to disciple people. And uh, one of the reasons we kind of connected with you is really the how to do that. So I have a desire to live missionally. I want to make disciples. And I know just a lot of the listeners and of this show are, are pastors, are missionaries, people that are around the world trying to live out mission. They might be, uh, you know, serving in a different country. How can how can they not just be an attractional church, but really get get the people we're serving on mission and disciple them? Yeah, yeah, I think... I mean, I think there's two things. I think one is we we do have this kind of thing, which is we want to get our people to do something. Uh, so even oh, even yeah. in the conversation of that, it's like we've got to get our people to do this, or we've got to get our people to do this, or we've got to keep people to live on mission. We've got to get them to make disciples. And, and so what we do is we put a huge emphasis on doing rather than being. Mm. And so we just kind of give them a task list of what to do, which means what they're 
doing is they're operating from a place of a have to instead of I get to, right? And so part of what we, we kind of train people in is, is how, do you, how do you help people to move from their identity then to obedience? You know, how do we move from a place where people begin to understand that they're sons and daughters of the Most High God, and out of that they want to represent Him. So they want to make disciples, and they want to live on mission, not because they have to, but because they get to, because they're sons and daughters of a great God and a good King. Um, and then the second thing I think is I think people need, uh, they need a language for it. So when people think about discipleship, traditionally they think of, I got to do a Bible study, I got to study this book, we're going to you know, pop out Leviticus and read it for a few <laughs> months and then figure out what's going on, instead of understanding that discipleship is kind of an everyday life thing. And so my, I, I, I have a working premise that about 95% of people under the age of 40 have never been discipled, at least not intentionally. So maybe there's been some accidental discipleship along the way, but there's not been intentional, long-term discipleship that's happened in people's lives. And so because of that, it's not that people don't want to make disciples, it's that they don't know how. So making disciples becomes information dump. It's, it's I got I to gotta get as many people around me, and I got to pass off all the information I know about Jesus, and it all becomes about teaching. Yeah, I've had a couple of men walk beside me and say, hey, I want to disciple you. And uh, usually it, 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 we struggle because whether uh, we just get busy and we quit meeting, or it, it's just uh, let's go out and talk about you know, your marriage, your life, your kids. Uh, you know, reading through the Bible together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the difference between, you know, your your method of discipleship and the traditional model of, you know, guys guys in the church, women in the church that are trying to disciple people, they have that desire. Maybe they weren't discipled, so they're trying to do it. Let's get a little more practical how, how they can actually do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think, the, I think the most important thing that I am passionate about is, is looking at what, what's Jesus' method of discipleship. So what did Jesus do when he discipled people? So, what would Jesus do? Yeah, it's a new kind of new idea. Yeah, no, but but it's really kind of, <laughs> it's going back to what are, what's the methodology of Jesus. So we, we, we learn those red letters of Jesus, the words of Jesus yeah. over and over again, but what were his methods? So, so Jesus' methodology was not, I'm going to gather a bunch of really sharp guys around me and I'm going to take them out to lunch and I'm going to teach them. Hmm. Uh, I mean, teaching was part of his ministry, but what Jesus did was he gave them access to his whole life. And he said, follow me, you know, and just, I'm, I'm going to make you, right? Follow me and something's going to happen. Follow, watch what I do. And, and what he did was he took a, a method, a rabbinical method of discipleship, which was, I'm going to follow him and I'm going to grow both in my character and my competency. And I'm going to eventually become like him and do the things that he does. And so sometimes what we do with discipleship is it's just, I'm going to teach you all the things that I know when really discipleship is, I want to train you to do the things that I do. Uh, yeah, so it one, seems prideful. Like I know when you, you yeah. said earlier today when we were talking like, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. A lot of Christians are going, maybe this is just a, a rejection against, uh, you know, religious people like legalistic people. Oh, don't follow me. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not, uh, yep. you know, I'm not that great. I'm just a normal everyday guy. That's been our evangelism strategy of, hey, we're just normal people getting yeah. together. Well, you're, you're presenting this thing of follow me as I follow Christ. I yeah. want to disciple through leading people. I mean, how would you speak to that? Yeah, what we often say is uh, 
I'm not a, I'm not a perfect example, but I'm a living example. So, so follow me on my best day, yeah, right? You, you're going to yeah. see me on my worst day. Don't follow that, right? Don't do what I do when I'm shouting at my kids or, you know, <laughs> when you see me speaking harshly to my wife, don't follow that, but follow me on my best day. And so it's the confidence of knowing that I actually have something to offer, but what I have to offer is not me. It's Christ in me, right? That's yeah, what that's I'm cool. offering to people. So it's not, I'm not saying in, in a prideful way, Hey, I've got this all figured out and you don't, but what I am saying is I'm might be a little further down the road than you are. And, and, and I want to share with you what Christ has taught me. Uh, I got a buddy that says, if we could reach the moms and the mechanics, right? Sure, yeah. If we can teach the moms and the mechanics to, to live on mission every single day, which means if we could just reach the everyday people, uh, then, then the great awakening is going to happen again in our country. Uh, the, the professionalism of ministry is, is fading. I mean, it really is. So Hirsch says 60% of people won't attend the church anymore. So no matter how great it is, no matter how good your band is, no matter how incredible a speaker you are, no matter what you're doing on Sunday morning, there's people that just refuse to enter the doors of a church on a Sunday. And so we've got to start thinking of what's next. Right. If if people yeah. aren't going to enter the doors of a church, what are other creative ways that we can do? So we don't give up on on church. Right. We're still you know, church is still happening. Sunday gatherings are still happening. But we've got to return to that biblical movement of the early church, which was every Christian's a missionary. We're, we're the royal priesthood. We're all followers of Christ and we're all inviting people in and we're going from house to house and seeing revival take place in our country. And I, I, I think we're on the verge of something. I, I I'm, I'm so encouraged that this conversation is even happening, right? Yeah, that definitely. people are beginning to talk about this again. Um, because what's happened is we've kind of lived in a perpetual cycle of um, one of almost arrogance and ambition of leaders, mm. which has kind of come to me and I'm yeah. going to build my own kingdom. And, 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 you know, God's used the seeker sensitive movement in a lot of different ways. And God has used huge churches and small churches and all kinds of different types of churches to, to bring revival. But I think something amazing begins to happen when we say, you know what, God wants to use you in your neighborhood exactly the same way that he uses me in the pulpit every single week. Yeah, and I think that's pretty radical for people. I mean, uh, just being a part of a Christian church, like we definitely try to embrace that. In our bulletin, it says every member of the church is, is a minister of the gospel. Mm -hmm. I think uh, practically people living that out, they want to say, I don't even think it's it's because it's easy, but just, hey, this is my pastor. This is who we follow. And instead of following Christ, they mm -hmm. want to follow people. And then we see, you know, large mega church pastors falling, uh, you know, whether it's morally or financially. And then everybody's world, you know, is falling apart because everybody that they know yeah. that's a believer is this pastor that they put on this pedestal. And I would struggle with that because, you know, like building a platform or, you know, trying to get your name out. That's what you're doing right now. And it's hard to say, don't follow me, but follow Christ. But they're, they are following you. So I think people struggle yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, first Corinthians, Paul's always having that battle of, of, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, Doesn't you know, matter, who you yeah. following? And he's saying, no, 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 no. We're all servants. Yeah. We all follow Christ. You follow Christ because you follow me. Uh, and so, you know, in, in, in anything we do, there's gotta be leaders. And anything we do, there's going to be broken leaders. So yeah. so whether that leader has a dramatic moral fall or doesn't, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us are broken. There's none of us that are leading anything that are perfect. And so that that's the nature of who we are. And we live in a broken world where the, you know leaders are going to be just as broken as followers. And so the, there is. There's, there's a humble invitation that says, I think I've got something to teach you. 
I think I can walk beside you and, and I think I can give you access to my life in such a way that you can grow and that you can learn. But uh, I'm not saying to put me on a pedestal uh, because, man, you, you really do see that, especially in our culture where everything's downloadable and, you, you, you know, you can buy CDs and listen to podcasts and listen to anybody's sermon every single week. So the rise of Celebrity Pastor, the, the hill songs of the world, you know, musically, uh, all those things are available and, and they're downloadable and they're just right there in our hands. And so there is a tendency. We've got to understand that tendency both as leaders and followers. So as leaders, we've got to understand that there's a tendency for leaders to be put on a pedestal that they shouldn't believe in, or shouldn't belong, that they don't belong on. And so we've got to not believe our own press clippings, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so what, I'm, what I, one of my mentors always taught me is, um, man, anytime I'm preaching, anytime I'm leading, I'm, I'm kind of leaning into the fact that I'm simply an instrument. Mm. And, and so if God chooses to use me in a great way, he gets all the glory. And I don't, I'm not tempted to take it, yeah, totally. but if also, if, if everything falls apart and I, <laughs> I preach a sermon and it's the suckiest sermon ever and nobody yeah. likes it or wants to hear it or listen to it, then that one's, that's got sound God too, right? As <laughs> yeah. long as I did my part, right? Yeah. I, I, I worked diligently. I worked hard. And so I, my mentor always said, I'm in charge of faithfulness. I'm going to let God be in charge of fruitfulness. And so I'm going to walk awesome. faithfully. I'm going to let him do the work that he calls me to. I'm going to step into the things that he asked me to step into, but fruitfulness belongs to him. Um, and that helps us keep in check kind of our ambition Oh yeah, is, is I'm just, you know, I'm just a servant I'm following. And if he wants to bring fruit out of what I'm doing, that completely belongs to him. One of the biggest things we've been talking about is really uh, where you can step away. I mean, you planted a church and what was it? Seven years you were able to step away from that. And it's, I'm assuming it's still healthy and, and thriving right now. How, how can a minister do that? It seems like work when I've worked with uh, like global missionaries or student ministers or even local churches, it gets so dependent on the leader. Yeah. How do we decentralize that so that we can we can move on to different stuff or stay in there but allow different people to rise and take leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I, so we started a church on a university campus, uh, the University of Louisville. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that university ministry is probably for younger guys. So I'm, yeah, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm 40 now and, uh, I'm feeling the weight of that. I, I went and did a college retreat a few <laughs> weeks ago and they like didn't even start anything until like 1030 at night. I was like, by the time I get up to preach, I'm usually in bed. Right. Yeah, totally. uh, And so it is for younger guys. And, and, uh, so, I mean, the obvious answer to your question is discipleship. And I know that's cheesy and sounds like that's just a trite answer, but, but, but that's it. So for us, uh, I wanted to raise up disciples who not only had the character of Christ, but the competency of Christ. So I wanted them not only to know Jesus, but I wanted them to do the things that Jesus did. And so one of the things we trained our leaders to do, and this is every leadership position in the church. So whether you're the worship leader, whether you're the youth minister, whether you know whoever you are in the church, every single leader in our church had an apprentice, hmm. which was somebody they were raising up to take their place. Uh, and so when it came time for me to walk away and the Lord called me to something new, uh, and I was feeling really old, yeah. and there was something next on the horizon that the Father was calling me to. The church didn't have a crisis. They, they weren't freaking out. They didn't have to put up on a website that we got to find somebody else who can come in and teach, because it was obvious who the next guy to step in was, cool. because he had been the guy who had been apprenticing and learning to do the things that I'd been doing all along. And so we had been raising him up. And so um, he's doing an amazing job. He's actually taken the church further than I would have ever taken it. That's awesome. And God's working in really cool ways there. But it is, it's a shift in, in kind of our philosophy of we've got to get talent, 
All right, we got to get the most talented guys uh, and to uh, we've got to get somebody who's faithful and we got to get somebody who knows this community and we got to get somebody who who loves us and can walk beside us and so it's a matter of training people up. So in 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 like in third world countries in Africa, I travel for Africa a lot for missions yeah. and those types of work. What country? Uh, Ethiopia, yeah. Kenya, yeah, yeah cool. all the time. My yeah. daughter's from Ethiopia, and awesome. so we're always we're always taking these trips. But but that idea is not foreign to them in any way. So every time you meet a pastor, he'll have a young guy on his shoulder who's just waiting and watching him. And so I'm I always I'm always curious about it. And so I'm always like, you know, how old are you? And he'll say, I'm, I'm 22. And you know, who, who, are you following this guy? He says, Yeah. How long will you follow him? Well, until he dies. And, yeah, and always, I'm like, yeah, like how long will that be? This guy's going to live another 20 years. You're just going to follow him for 20 years. And yeah, I'll follow him till he dies. And then awesome. I'll take over the church. And that's like, there's nothing weird about that for them. Right. Yeah, because it's discipleship. Countries, it's the same thing. They're going, you're a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the, I'm, I'm one of the pastors. I'm leading the trip. And they're like, oh, we thought you were in high school, but no, they're, <laughs> they're, they're always like, they can't believe that they allow us to do that. But, yeah. uh. I think the the apprentice mentoring model. I mean, that's what tradesmen do. I, my dad's an electrical contractor, and it's like you follow somebody for four years, and then you take a test and get your license. You do some school training, but that's pretty much getting laid off or doing you know doing it for a week at a time, once a quarter. So mm-hmm. I think bringing that into the church is pretty powerful. What what would you recommend for for churches doing that? How would they get that started, or or missionaries, yeah. church planters? Yeah. How can you start that into your DNA? Yeah, I would simply say, look for people that look like Jesus for you, to you. Look for your younger people who, who you can walk beside. And so the question that we would ask to our congregation all the time is, who's your Paul and who's your Timothy, hmm. right? Who's the person that's pouring into you? Who's the person that's investing in you? And who's the person that you're investing in? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's the matter of being aware enough uh, to look out and see, you know, I see something in this person that makes me believe that they're a leader that's worth my investment. Uh, and then it's kind of a combination of invitation and challenge. So I'm going to invite them into a relationship with me, but at the same time, I'm going to challenge them to actually do something with that relationship. Because if you're going to invest your life into developing leaders, you want to develop the right leaders, right? You want to develop leaders that are going to actually do something with what you're investing in them. So it's kind of combining that and walking beside them and just saying, hey, you know, I, I want to invite you in. Um, we, we underestimate the power of the ICU statement, right? The, the I see this in you. Um, there's so many young leaders in our country. I think I was dying for this when I was a young leader. I think there's so many young leaders who are dying for a mentor to walk beside them and, and call out the gifts of the spirit in them and to say, I see this gift in you. And because I see this gift in you, I want to develop it. I want to, I want to teach you. I want to train you. I want to give you everything that I know. Um, it's kind of a lost art in our culture. Uh, we're just, we're such an individualistic culture that everybody's kind of me first. Uh, and it really, you know, it destroys a lot of what we could be together, um, because we're trying to do it alone. Yeah. You worked at some mega churches and I know for me, uh, uh, our church is right under a thousand and it's like, uh, on a weekend and it's like the programs and the rigors of Sunday mornings coming, you know, Tuesday Bible study, we're trying to, to do all this stuff. For me, it just seems almost overwhelming sometimes to find that apprentice. I can almost put that on the back burner. Those things I love the most of ministry of, you know, discipling a guy or, or a group of guys. A lot of times in ministry, I've noticed that gets put on the back burner because we're doing programs. Yeah, I, I've spent all my time as, as a minister instead of discipling men to do it. I end up doing spreadsheets and, and, you know, inviting volunteers and trying to set up the arrangements for the gym to be, you know, all these food arrangements. Mm-hmm. 
how what where have you struggled? I mean, you've been at, at a large mega church. You've you've been around both both sides of this. Yeah. What, where would you speak into that? Yeah, I I'm a I'm a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin. Uh, so the West Wing yeah. was uh, I love Sorkin's shows. I, I love everything he's done. The newsroom, uh, and he did a show called Studio Sixty. It was only on for like two seasons, but it's a great show. It's like a sketch comedy show, but it was a drama yeah. about it. And there was one of the episodes that just struck me. I've used it a bunch of times when I've preached, but the it was the beginning of the show, and the producer had a clock above his head that counted down until the show actually started. And so the whole show is about this countdown that's happening. And as the countdown gets closer and closer to showtime, he gets more and more stressed out, more and more worried, more and more freaked out. And then finally the show comes and the clock hits zero and the show happens and uh, it, it, it goes well. Somehow it all comes together and it all works. And there's this scene, it's a beautiful scene at the end of the show where he's sitting at his desk and he kind of takes this huge sigh of relief like, you know, it finally happened and he puts his head down and as he puts his head down, the camera pans out and it catches the clock behind him and the clock starts again Hmm. and he kind of freaks out again. And I think that's so many pastors existence right now is it's, I've got to top what we did next last week and I've got to do something better than what we did before. And I'm freaking out because we got to produce this great thing and we got to perform and, and all these things. And, and listen, I want us to do our best on Sundays. I want there to be excellence. I want us to invest time into it. Um, but I think we've got to be aware that this isn't how Jesus spent his time. Like that methodology is not what Jesus did with his life. So Jesus did not gather a bunch of artists around him and a bunch of creatives and say, let's pull off the best show we possibly can and let's go to the biggest Coliseum we can and let's get the biggest crowd that we possibly can. Now, Jesus spoke to the crowds, but he spent most of his time with his disciples. Yeah. And so Jesus understood that by investing in a few, I actually get many. What we think is by investing in many, we'll get more. So Jesus operated by multiplication. We try to operate by addition. And Jesus understood that if I invest in a few, I'm going to multiply that out and get many, which it worked, right? Yeah. His, his 11 guys within 500 years reached half the Roman Empire. Uh, I mean, that's, a, that's, the, that's amazing. From, yeah. from a few hundred people to, I think it was five, six million people. So amazing things began to happen there. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. We got a phone ringing. Uh, we'll just leave it. I'll edit it out. Maybe I won't. I don't know. So, uh, with I had a really good question. And then the phone ring. That's all right. It's all good. God must want me to go into different direction with discipling men. Uh, you know, uh, men and women. But when you're when you're grabbing people to disciple them, and you're doing this multiplication factor. Uh, can you speak a little bit just about how do you get them to commit to doing that? I mean, I feel like I've poured into quite a few guys and I care more about their leadership, their, their Christianity than they do. And I, and I care for them so much where, you know, I'm, 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 I'm chasing them. I would say where I'm trying to get them to do stuff I'm taking along with me. And then it just hasn't produced fruit. They walk away Mm -hmm. from the Lord or, or, or the church. Uh, how, how would you deal with that? How do you, how do you raise up leaders? Cause so many times they just, they like to spend time with you. They want to eat meals and then they, they walk away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think part of it is you've got to be really wise about who you invite into a discipling relationship. It's got to be prayerful. Um, when Jesus sent out the 72, he said, try and find a person of peace. And when you find that person of peace, stay there. 
and so I, I think that's part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to find who are the persons of peace that we find and, and kind of what, what we like to define as a person of peace is somebody who's coachable, somebody who's teachable, somebody who likes you and you like them, and then somebody that will actually serve you, right? Somebody that actually, you know, yeah. invites you into their home, somebody yeah. who actually, you know, says, I want this relationship and shows the, there's kind of a give and take to the relationship as well. And so I think sometimes what we do is we, we, we grab the wrong people, right? So we're just looking for anybody that will, you know, meet with me or hang out with me yeah. instead of really prayerfully considering who are the right people for me to invite into a discipling relationship. And then I think, you know, when, we're, when, you're, when you're a young leader, I think it's tra- probably trying to find somebody who's a little bit younger than you. Uh, I think that's really important to kind of start there. Um, it's challenging to lead leaders that are older than you. Yeah. Uh, and you'll get there, right? You'll, you'll eventually arrive at a place where, where that can happen. And then secondly, I would just say, um, Jesus lost one, right? So, so Jesus didn't, yeah. he, he didn't have a perfect record in this either. And so there's grace in that of knowing that accidental discipleship does happen. And so sometimes what, sometimes what I'm doing is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, right? Apollos watered, I planted the seed, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so sometimes that's what's happening is, uh, you know, my job's not to see the fruitfulness take place. I don't get to see the harvest, but I am the one that's planting seeds and I am the one that's starting the process. And so we never know the full picture of what God's doing. And so, um, you know, any opportunity we have to disciple where we're really investing is success. Yeah, man, let's, let's go a little deeper on this. Tell me about your prayer life. Mm-hmm. It seems like every great leader is, uh, is somebody that's on their knees and where have you grown in that? Where have you struggled? What, What's your prayer life look like, and how how have you uh, learned how to pray? I would yeah. say, yeah, yeah. I've uh, in the past probably five years or so, I've uh, I've really grown in my ability to uh, be led by the Spirit and hear from the Spirit. So I think we're almost trained as pastors that the Spirit really works in the pulpit, mm, yeah, <laughs> but He doesn't really work in the rest of our lives. And so we're kind of trained that while we're preaching, we're really in tune with the Spirit, and we're really listening to Him, and we're really obedient, and we're really kind of like, okay, Lord, if you want to take it another direction, I'll go that way. And so for me, I was trained to preach by the Spirit, but I wasn't trained to have coffee by the Spirit, right? So I wasn't trained that, you know, that the same Spirit that's working in the pulpit is working when I'm having coffee with somebody, like the same spirit that's working when I'm preaching is working when I'm buying a soda at the gas station, right? Yeah, the, totally. the spirit of God is always working and moving. And so part of what I've grown in a lot is is my understanding of the spirit's work, um, my understanding that the spirit is always moving and working in my life and speaking and communicating and being aware of that, Um I think a lot of the training that I do introduces pastors to the Holy Spirit in yeah. a way that they haven't experienced him before. Um, he's kind of the weird uncle of the church, yeah. right? And so, um, and especially in our world, right? In our denomination, the, it's kind of the the Trinity is Father, Son, Bible, yeah. right? Father, and so, Son, Holy Bible, yeah, so. yeah. And so we've 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 kind of left the Spirit off to the side. And so, in many ways, I, f- I feel like over the past few years, my prayer life has opened me up in new ways to hearing from the Spirit, to being led by the Spirit. Um, I, I've really kind of begged the Spirit to move and work in my life, um, which kind of leads me to more of an intercessory prayer yeah. where I'm praying for others yeah. in a way that I haven't before. Um, I'm becoming more sensitive um, to what others' needs and then more sensitive and more aware of my inability to really do anything 
and the spirit's an ability to do everything. And so just kind of just having a complete awareness of, Lord, I'm over my head and all this stuff, right? I'm not good enough to, you know, to do any of the stuff that you've called me to, but I need you desperately to work and to move. And so, you know, I need you to show up or this is going to really stink, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So just praying and leaning in on that. Seems like even is more than, you know, finding time to uh, train disciples for me, that prayer time can really get put on the back burner because I'm doing, doing, doing. Mm-hmm. You said something uh, pretty profound for me, but we get our identity from the Father, and that draws and leads to obedience. Mm-hmm. Not We don't want to have obedience as our identity. Yeah. And uh, I really was convicted just this weekend as we were spending some time together for that. Uh, that should be that first is identity, and mm-hmm. I draw obedience from that identity and yeah, man, that was pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, once again, we want to look at Jesus' life. So if Jesus, who was pretty good, yeah. right? He was, yeah, he was, he was the best thing that ever lived, right? If 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 he had to find time over and over again to retreat and get alone with the Father, then we've got to do that as well. And what's interesting about Jesus is when the, when the crowds called for him to be king— he got alone with the Father and and straightened out his identity. Right wow. when when the when the crowds called for him to die, he got alone with the Father and straightened out his identity. And as pastors, we're going to have those moments where the crowd calls out calls us king, and when the crowd calls yeah. for us to die, right? Yeah. We're going to have all those moments. And the question is, where are we getting our identity? Am I getting it from the people I'm leading? Am I getting it from the activity that I'm doing as a pastor, or am I getting it from the Father? Because if I'm getting it anywhere else from him than from him, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall off track right away and I'm going to walk into stuff that I don't need to walk into and my pride's going to get inflated and I'm going to get puffed up with knowledge and all those things are going to happen. But if I can keep going back to him and just keep having him remind me who I am and what he's called me to, then uh, I feel like I can, I can navigate the world a little better. Well, cool, man. I sure appreciate you coming on the show. Let's, let's talk real quick about uh, what you're doing with Missional Think Tank and how people can get connected. Can you give me a little infomercial here for the, for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Missional Think Tank is an organization that's really training pastors and churches how to do discipleship and mission. So uh, we do seminars, we do workshops, uh, we do learning cohorts that you can sign up for. Uh, we also do coaching. And so we do weekly Google Plus calls where you can just get on a video call uh, with a bunch of other pastors and kind of be trained in this. Um, We're doing a lot of webinars with a lot of different great missional leaders who are kind of just throwing out ideas and just kind of, we just throw them into the think tank and then process it. We've got a blog going. So it's missionalthinktank.com. We're just in the process of launching it. So uh, getting off the ground here in the next few weeks, next few months. Uh, But there's already a lot of information on there about how to get connected, how to get involved. You can just kind of click on any of the buttons there and ask for information and uh, we can connect with you and kind of figure out what's best for for anybody out there people want to connect with you twitter facebook you got yeah any, got I'm, any of those or i'm on them yeah You're on all of i'm them. there what, what's your I'm handle there. i'm there uh it's been uh underscore hardman on twitter and what a then, great last name man i know i know a UFC fighter or I, it didn't it was it was rough in high school but it was it's good now <laughs> I, and then facebook uh facebook i'm on there as well so yeah great, i can man. connect with me on you thanks so much for being on the show uh thanks buddy i appreciate a, it a blessed day Wow, what a great episode. You can find Ben at missionalthinktank.com or on Twitter at Ben underscore Hardman if you missed that in the interview. But Ben was just one of those interviews that has so many things that can be applied to ministry and life in general. I just really appreciate him 
for coming on the show. If you want to get involved with some of his seminars, workshops, or even personal coaching or team coaching, you can find him at missionalthinktank.com. I saw on there uh, this website has been up and running for about a year and a half where the episode was already in place. Uh, This episode allowed me to have a little bit more time and where you can get a free 15-minute consultation on his website. So go there and check that out. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Renewing Our City podcast. And I just thank you so much for listening. I know it's been a while. and We're going to be getting back on a two-week schedule and where you can listen and find value in these interviews as much as I have in these two episodes. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to head on over to RenewingOurCity.com, you can find ways to connect with us there as well as past episodes. Also, if you want to head on over to iTunes, you can rate the show and leave any comments. That greatly helps us uh, be, get the word out and that people can find the show in the search engines, as well as maybe you want to tell a friend about the Renewing Our City podcast and ways that it can help them as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to connect with me, it's at Pastor Matt Shaw on Twitter, as well as Instagram and Facebook. And I just uh, hope you have a great week and just share Jesus with your world. Thanks for listening to the Renewing Our City podcast. For more info about the show, check out RenewingOurCity.com and follow the show on Twitter at RenewingOurCity and Facebook.com slash RenewingOurCity. If you like the show, please rate and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, hit subscribe so you don't have to miss a single episode in the future. We want to give a special thanks to John Smay Productions for producing the show. Get out there and share Jesus and serve others in your own neighborhood and around the world.